This is NRL Boom Rookies. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of NRL Boom Rookies. Alongside me as always, he's not the uh, CEO in interim, Mitch Doyle. <laughs> Definitely not, but uh, we are recording interim. Uh, we're all at home, which is great. Yep, and uh, waiting in the shadows. It's Dale Roots. It is. It is me, as usual, waiting in the shadows. Not not just a now thing, but a forever thing. Yeah, so um, we before we start, we'll firstly apologise for whatever issues we have coming up for this podcast. If we talk over each other or if it doesn't go smoothly, because we're all recording from our uh, remotely for the first time with the three of us. So there might be some issues, but we'll work through them. But. Look, I'm I'm not saying both of you should have bought another expensive mixer and microphone just so you could sound as good as I do, but maybe you should have. Maybe that's what the listeners deserve. <laughs> Mate, they can't even get it right on Fox Sports or ESPN. Why would we get it right? Please, please sign up to our Patreon to buy us another expensive mixer each. No, we, <laughs> no more mixers. No, look, we yeah, have had enough but, trouble um, with mixers. Before before we do start though, we we're gonna I was gonna mention this on the the other podcast we planned. We planned to do a questions podcast and that was it, and give you another new podcast later in the week or over the weekend. But we're doing a Toddcast now mm. with uh, Greenberg's imminent sacking. But I just want to mention uh, again, shout out thanks to the Patreon guys. But our good friend Susie over on Patreon mentioned she'd like to see us do uh, a kind of a live game, you know, watch party kind of thing. And I know you guys mentioned you're kind of pro it, and it's not for everyone, but yeah, if you want to join us in a live game in the next week or two, I'll figure it out. I don't know yeah. how we're going to do it yet. Don't Get on Patreon we, and we'll figure it out. We can probably just we can just zoom a game on the weekend or something. Shouldn't be too hard. I will, we'll I will figure green, it out. in something into a zoom. Yeah. But anyway. I thought I'd mention that if it's something you're interested in doing with us and listening to us three Daros talk more, um, you get on Patreon and you can uh, get behind the boys yeah. again. And again, we, we really do appreciate everyone that's given us anything at all. And and everyone who hasn't, who just listens, because any support is just so welcome and so appreciated. Yeah, and these times we less. do need the support, you know? Everybody needs support. Simi Renrandra trying the chip and chase. Oh, this will be interesting. Oh, yes, it will, yes. Semi Rundrundra. Oh, he's absolutely buried it. Rundrundra. Okay, but the big news of the day and probably the biggest NRL story to come out of the year so far, apart from the season being postponed, uh, Todd, Ber- Todd Greenberg uh, is no longer the boss of the NRL, boys. Um, I've got to say, it's a fairly high watermark when the the next... Next biggest story is the entire season being postponed for like ten weeks. <laughs> uh, but yeah, as you say, Todd, the the, uh, the great man, he's gone. He's uh, he stepped down as of today, made official, announced via the usual NRL media uh, outlets, and yeah, interesting interesting times ahead. Sure. What's interesting? What's interesting to me is that. Um... You, as a general rule, uh, and this was already pointed out by friend of the show Damon Berg, um, uh, if if like the if the great unwashed in the Facebook comment section are happy with the decision, that usually means it's a bad decision. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Like the point that the the point you make there is if if it, you have to remember the the average person is is you know the mid the middle the middle you know, and then you have to remember that half the population are dumber than them. So if that half of the population be, being dumber than them are like this decision, then it's all tickety boo, but uh, as you say, if they if they're liking it, something uh, I'm not going to say it stinks to high heaven, but 
it's um, unexpected in its timing, in my opinion. It's just um, one of those things we spoke about before we recorded, but it just like it doesn't feel like his time is done for me. You know, I know CEOs they can't be permanent in in sport industry. That everyone has their good weaknesses and strengths, but it felt like Todd left with unfinished business for mine, and it's like it's unfortunate that it's, it's taken. You know, he's the guy, the fall guy for the coronavirus. Uh, whatever it is, <laughs> yeah, pandemic. But you know, he's kind of a full guy for not having a, a uh, an infinite uh, pool of funds saved up for pandemics, and also for not being the uh, the yes man who pleases the clubs and media. It's, it's kind of come together with uh, Peter Volandis's tenure as at ALC chairman, and he's been acting like the CEO the last two weeks anyway. But it's all come together at, at this perfect point, and he's just gone with you know with a whimper. It feels like. Yeah. Mm. I mean, the idea that he didn't prepare for this literally once in a lifetime crisis, and that's why he's had to pay pay for that with his job is just a bit ridiculous to me. And and if that is the case, and that is the logic that we want to apply to this, then basically every CEO in the world of every organization in sporting and outside of sporting, apart from the people who run Wimbledon, should also be sacked. <laughs> yeah. and like, I, 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 yeah. You go, Mitch. Sorry. No, you got it, mate. I was going to say, like, it, the, 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 simple, the simplest comparison and the one that we're all making is obviously to the way that the AFL has handled this. And, and you have to remember that obviously they're, they're two completely different sports in two completely different environments. Yes, it's in the same country, but like the, the way that things are structured are completely different. But as you say, if, if, if this is the mark by which we judge CEOs and leaders in, in, in and out of business, whether it's sport or commercial or whatever it is, like that sends a fairly strong message where you, if you don't have, you know, eight months of infinite reserves to pay all of your staff their full wage, then that's, you know, a sackable offence. Like, as I said, it's a fairly harsh marker, a fairly harsh, yeah, fairly harsh mark on yourself that that's your, you know, that like that's your baseline. As you yeah. say, like what, this this would just leads leads to a vacuum at the top, really. I mean, if if that's the mark that you're going to judge people by, it leads to a vacuum at the top across all all walks of life. But yeah, he's just he's the fall guy though, because as we all know, the structure of, of the NRL is it's like ARLC oversees them, and if there's things they disagree with how Todd's run the NRL the last couple of years, that that's the board that's approved those decisions. And I actually think he's run the game well. And we'll get into that, but it's just it's just a strange fall guy at this time. It's it's the media and clubs don't like him. But the clubs never like who's in charge. You know, the clubs always want more money, and the clubs do get what thirteen million dollars each a year, four yeah. million dollars more than the cap, and no one's asked a question of where that money goes. It's you know, a, what they do with that money? It's the same kind of thing as like, and I know it's a fairly long bow to draw, but like the states, when it comes to say like a GST cover, like the states always want more money. They always want their best percentage of the GST, for example, and they always always want more health funding, and they always want this. And like sometimes the federal government has to say no, and that's effectively what the NRL like they're still giving them as much as they can and they're giving them significantly more than they were previously. But like, of course the clubs are going to be annoyed because they want all of their expenses covered always and forever. But like, that's, that's not it, quite how it works. And, and asking the, uh, the, the clubs to run the game. I had a Kern oh, on Twitter respond to me today. <laughs> she, her, her, her accuracy was like, it's like asking someone at the local Telstra store to run the NBN. It's not I mean, the that's same not thing. far from how it works in fairness. It's not, it's not, it's like, it's not the same thing, right? Like clubs, Look for self-interest and look at yeah. their, look in their own backyard, and they're about winning football games. That's pretty much the main thing that around, and the revenue comes from pokies, right? And it doesn't get revenue from the rugby league's club; it has to develop revenue, all different revenue streams. It's entirely different. It's 
not a comparison at all. And, and there's that, you know, the club part and the media part. I've, you know, for mine, the, the media hasn't liked him ever since he turned the media into a competitor in, in, when he brought NRL.com yeah. in-house. That's just my opinion. But it, he, he's brought NRL.com in-house two years ago, developed their digital department. And yes, the costs have, have blown out and people are only just looking at costs and nobody's looking at the bloody revenues. But and that's just the, people just think he's paying more money, spending all this money and it's going nowhere. The, the point that you make about bringing the media in-house, like, I mean, you see this kind of playing out. And I think that's one thing that a lot of people forget is that the NRL.com does exist and that NRL.com does produce content. Like, of yeah. course, you have, you've had, and I'm sure we'll come onto this on another podcast perhaps, but later on in this one maybe, you have had in the last week that, that kind of like Buzz, Gus, Channel 9, NRL, um, Fox back and forth with which, which could be a would be a great SB Nation beef history video in the coming years, but you have that kind of like back and forth between the two big media organi- media organizations in Nine and News. People forget that like the NRL is a media player, and like these two people, if you have to vote, if three people have to vote one out, then of course they're going to turn on the person that is their biggest competitor. For, you know, it's the the old enemy of my enemy is my friend. People forget That's that the it. NRL is a competitor in this media, digital media environment, and because they're cre- creating this content and potentially taking it away from News and Nine, that gives them a reason to want the person who runs this media organization out of a job. So that's you know, it, mate. if if they've got their way, and that's why it is, it doesn't really read. You know, it's not nice reading, but when you kind of view it through a through a, a prism as the NRL as a, a secondary media company or a tertiary media media company in this case. It makes a lot more sense than just, oh, we don't like the way that he's running the game. You consider it as we don't like the way that he's running a competitive business. That 100%, mate. It's like, you know, because once he made that change, he was no longer just providing a product to the broadcasters. He was a part of the people who were receiving yeah. that product. You know, NRL.com is stream- Telstra run their own streaming devices. So that's NRL branded streaming, the Telstra, mm. Telstra app. Their own on- online uh, identity as well. But and their social media space has grown as well. But we all know the world is going away from traditional broadcast. And Todd is thinking forward when he's doing those kind of things, bringing things in-house. We all know, I mean, we all work in the media industry at some yeah. point or have. We know what's happening to the industry. It's caving in on itself. Yeah. Like, he, what he's done is forward thinking. And, you know, I mentioned something. These, this is the thing that's funny. These are easily available. You can Google NRL annual reports and they're out there. It's literally type into Google and one click. It is, and anyway, so you, you can hammer Todd all, all you want, but the the cold hard facts are is that when he in two thousand and twelve the total revenue of the game was one hundred eighty one million, right now it's five hundred twenty eight million, and you might say this is broadcast. But expenditure deal. went up significantly, proportionately less than that, Mitchell. It did. Expenditure <laughs> went up what, what, from like four million to eight million, but then the other one went up way more. Or, or whatever. Ridiculous. <laughs> Look, if, if you're in, if you're if you you can increase revenue by seven hundred percent, but if your if your expenditure goes up by twelve percent in the same time period, that's disgraceful. It is yeah. disgraceful. That's it, mate. And then, and then the other thing, and you can say that it is just the broadcast deal, which a lot of it is. But is that not a good thing that he made the biggest broadcast deal ever? But the other thing that gets left out of this is that. The non-broadcast revenue was more than doubled in that time as well. Mm. So in 2012, non-broadcast revenue was 80 million. Last year it was 203 million. And you start you start thinking to yourself, but where did that come from? Well, it came from things like Magic Round, yep. taking Origin Interstate. Yep. It came from things like it might annoy you, right? 
but the Telstra Tracker and the BB Hardwork Index, they're getting things sponsored, just like an American sports broadcast does. They're getting sponsorships on screens that people pay money for. That's where the extra money comes from. He's done all that. He's more than doubled the game revenues. He's put more money into the coffers of the game and turned a profit, and he's been kicked out, not even got to see his tenure out. They, you know? they call it, They call it. Uh, I think it's an economics thing, they call it Parkinson's Law, where expenditures rise to meet earnings, right? Yeah. So, like, as you say, he's significantly increased the earnings of the company, and you have to remember that the NRL is a company as well as, you know, obviously a governing body. And people are mad that, like, he's spending more money. Like, it, the point that you, um, that Matt was making previous to us coming on air, that, like, oh, he spent, they're spending $50,000 a day. It's like, yeah, but if you have, like, 200 staff, and, and I know that the, a lot of these people are going to be uh, on extended annual leave, for one of a word at this point. But, like, if you have 200 staff, that's, what, $250 a day. So you're paying these people 30 bucks an hour to come to work. Like, it's not – they're not – burning cash not that you really can burn our cash but they're not throwing money in a, mm. in a furnace for god's sake they're, they're, they're paying people to do jobs and as as, and, as i said earlier when you take into consideration that they have a commercial arm a media arm a, an actual football department arm all of these other things going ticking along you think oh well is is 250 bucks a day for example is that too much do they have too many staff like you have to understand that that's why these people are all employed to grow the game well, that's it, mate. And, you know, and of course, there's probably a bit of fat to be trimmed, but you can sit down in your own office and go, man, we could probably get rid of those three people over there tomorrow and no one would notice. That's every office in the world. But that's how we keep employment as a thing, by the way. Um, but as you mentioned, all these staff they have. So again, if you look at the raw number, you get mad, oh, 50,000 a day or whatever. But so of the 400 staff that the NRL employ, 200 of them are game development officers, right? And these are the people that, you know, you scream about ga- grassroots. People scream to the hell heavens they need to do more work for grassroots. 200 game development officers is doing more work for grassroots. Those are the guys who are going out into the community and hosting clinics and going and visiting schools and taking players with them and promoting the game on a local level. And so if you want to cut costs, those are the ones that will go first. You don't want the guys developing the game. And then the people whinge out grassroots all they want. Again, in the annual report, the money for grassroots is right there and it's more than it's ever been. They give, what is it? It's like $40 million a year they, they give the grassroots footy. People just don't think it's there because I don't really look, at it, look into it. Yeah. It's just such a bad faith argument from a lot of people who are just, I mean, for whatever reason, just want to continue to talk the game down at, at any given opportunity to just like pass off these sort of vague statements about grassroots footy and about how the money's not trickling down and stuff. And they can just say these things with basically impunity really and no one ever questions what they're saying and no one ever no one ever pulls up any of these facts or any of these annual reports that you mention and it's it's it's, it's just a shame really because like if if you say things like that if you just go oh we need more money for like grassroots and junior footy it's a statement that no one's going to disagree with so even if what you're saying is completely irrelevant because there is more money being spent in those areas than there ever has been before people are still going to get on board and it, and it, it, i just think that's a shame it, it does and, remind me it does, sorry it does remind me of the thing uh the kind of the point that you make about bad faith argument, it does remind me of if you if you remember the Brett Finch shutting down. I think it was James Hooper on Fox about like the Storms wrestling techniques, where like you can make these arguments that oh you know people say X and oh well the the it's bad for the game and oh this and that. But like if you come to these people and step to these people with like hot, cold hard facts, like their arguments wilt away. But people aren't willing to like people are too proud to say that they're wrong, and that's half the issue is that. 
you know, if if people were to look at these reports and journalists were to look at these reports, and obviously it's not a hundred percent the media that's that's had this guy shuffled off this, you know, this the business equivalent of this mortal coil. Mm. But like, if you step to these people with, oh well, actually the games increased its revenue by three hundred million dollars a year in the last five years. Where do you think that's all going? Oh well, some of it, of course, is going into the players. You know, the people who pay for this game. Uh, and and also some of it is going into grassroots because you've got to develop more players, and some of it is going into people making the game better. Like if you, as I said, if you come to these people with with you know a good faith argument based in facts, and these these arguments, these bad faith arguments, just wash away. And that is the That's thing it. that I think frustrates me the most that's coming out of this is this kind of serpent eating its own tail of bad faith arguments that has obviously cost this guy's job. But not just that, it it just makes the whole code look so fucking petty. Like it does. Th- this is a once in a century pandemic. Of course, we're not fucking prepared for it. Like, you know, yes, we could be doing what the AFL have, and they have a two hundred million dollars stadium, and that's enabled them to get a line of credit. Of course, that's great. The competition's been there in one city for a hundred and fifty years. For fuck's sake, like it's woven into the factory. It's woven into the fabric of Victoria. That's great. It doesn't exist outside of three states. Like the NRL has so much more to do not just in Australia, but outside of Australia, they've got many more logistical issues than that. It, you can't expect any business, let, or, let alone sport that relies on a constant stream of broadcast income to be, ah, well, actually, we've got eight months' worth of money. So what should we do with that? We're not going to pay the players who want an increased wage because, you know, they're, they're that's Mitch termed many months ago now. They are the actors on this stage. We're not going to pay it into grassroots. We're going to put it into a bank just in case H1N5 comes along and starts killing millions of people. You know, like that's not yeah. the kind of argument that in any business would make sense because people want their money now. That's it, mate. And, and as you mentioned those costs earlier, they're 4% of revenue. Cricket Australia is 7% of their revenue. It's The rev, percent of revenue is even half, like more than half. 4% of, um, of revenue. I wish my costs were that low. Exactly I, right. I, I as a person, wish I was only spending 4% of my wage. Well, that's it. Administration costs, sorry, that one was, I was just confirming there. But yeah, Dale, you, you're all on the money with all of that. Like, yeah, you absolutely nailed it. And it's just it's just tough people saying that stuff, the pandemic. It's like, what are they going to do now? Set up a pandemic fund? And then what? In seven years when that doesn't come to fruition, they'll just barrel the sharks out again. We need a war chest. <laughs> a war chest. Trump says we're at war with this virus. We need a war chest for viruses. Yeah. That's what I've been saying yeah. all along. Trump was right. It, it's it's war the war chest as well. I do uh, love a war chest. God help us. I do. That's I it. Oh, well, and it, it's just upsetting that he's gone through, as I said. I feel like the business is unfinished. And I know he's not perfect. No CEO is. But he was no. heading in the right direction off the field, if you ask me. And, yeah, I just I, – I don't know if I have faith in the right person coming in in the interim. And, I, and obviously, I don't think – and rugby league is going to die. I'm not an idiot. I'm not a crisis merchant. But I just feel like it's like – it just feels like a weird time to get rid of somebody – and then, you know, for the reasons he seems to be getting sacked is that he charged the broadcasters too much, didn't give the clubs enough. He made too much money. money. Don't you hate when you make too much money in business and yeah. then they sack you? Don't you hate that? And then, and then, yeah, that's it. And then the guy stepping in for him now, if all those things are your knocks on Todd Greenberg, the current interim CEO is Andrew Abdo, who is the chief commercial officer. Never heard of this person. Would, would, would be, but it would be the exact same knocks. That's his role, revenues, you know? If those are the problems you have with Todd, well, they came through Abdo's department. Mm. Yeah. There are, the there are some names being linked. There are some names being linked um, with the job, apart from Peter Valentis yeah. himself and 
Phil Gould. Um, <laughs> there's uh, some of the names that have already been thrown out include um, New South Wales Rugby League boss Dave Trotten, South Sydney CEO Blake Solly, Brisbane CEO Paul White, and Melbourne CEO right. Dave Donaghy. How would you guys feel about uh, any of those appointments? I guess if, we'll start. We'll go in order. Wales, from, if the New South we'll Wales uh, Rugby League CEO takes over the NRL, uh, you know, I don't think I'll be able to comment on anything because I'll just get blocked by every social media account. <laughs> Dale, no one is more bitter about anything in the world than you are about being blocked by the New South Wales RL account on Twitter. <laughs> oh, yeah, potentially. Look, I, I it will be interesting. Um, there are obviously a lot of club CEOs who will have their names thrown in the ring, but it won't surprise me if the person that they, like the, in the interim at least, the, the one that, that would interest me not the next hire, but the hire after that, I, I will find interesting. Um, the, yeah. I know, I know Mitch has got a, probably got a bee in his bonnet about a club C, another club CEO taking over, but um, well, it, it would be interesting to see where they, where they try and go from here. I think appointing the New South Wales rugby league boss would be hilarious, but it would be so in line with basically all the direction we've seen from the administration in the past few months of just basically completely ignoring all the work that we've done and trying to expand and grow the game and just bring it back to like being this very Sydney centric thing that only is only available to a few pockets of suburbs in does, and around Sydney. Does Glebe Rugby League Club have a CEO? Oh, how, how, yeah, how far are we? Are we we're, we're, honestly, I mean, forget the expansion teams being, uh, you know, Perth and a second Brisbane team. It's going to be Glebe and Newtown. It's going to be Pen- Penthurst, the <laughs> Perth of the East. But um, of those three club CEOs that were in that in that list that I just mentioned, I think either Dave Donaghy or Blake Solly would be pretty solid appointments. I think Solly hasn't really put a foot wrong since he's come to Souths. And obviously, everybody knows about the great work that Donaghy's done in Melbourne and sort of really building that, helping build that club up from from real, not much. Uh, but Mitch, how would you feel about Paul White taking over as the NRL boss? I mean, I don't know how you kind of get chased out of Brisbane. <laughs> And then he's finishing up at Brisbane anyway end of this year and end up at, at the NRL, but whatever. I mean, Dave, Dave Donner, he, uh he's re- he's really young. What is he? He's like in he, he's not the one you think of around forever, but he what was he, CEO at 32 for the Storm at one point? But it's, for me, I just feel like at the moment they're just rolling out the names of CEOs of successful clubs and, you know, that's what they've just spun out there. What I'm more interested in, as you mentioned earlier, I don't think Peter Vlandis will become the CEO. He has these two roles, but... I'm interested in what his future is because obviously the last month or two, he's kind of been operating as the CEO. He's been going to the meetings. He, he went to the ESPN meeting in, in the States to try and sell on the broadcast. He went met with the broadcasters with Channel 9 and Fox and similar. And he went to those meetings with Andrew Abdo, not with Todd Greenberg. Um, so he did all that. And that's kind of him being operating like he's in charge. And that might I don't know if that's his long-term future or goal or if that was him just doing this thinking, that Todd's not up to the task. I want to replace Todd. I'm going to do these things and force him out. But if if it does end up being Andrew Abdo appointed, it's obviously quite evident that his role would be, you know, that I'm not going to say yes, man, but he is an ally of Peter Volandis's. I don't want to go out there and say he's going to be yes, man. I don't know him enough to say that, but he's an ally of, of Landis's. So if that goes that way, that's interesting to me. I don't know if it's right or wrong. As I said, the game won't die either way. But I do feel like what rugby league fans and media deserve right now is not Blake Solly, it's not Dave Donaghy, it's not Paul White. The rugby league fans deserve Phil Gould. 
<laughs> They're not going to get him, but they bloody deserve it. Ca- I can't really disagree with that. The point that you're making about Dave Donahue, Dave, Dave Donahue is younger than four of the players in his playing squad, which... He's 30, 36, th- there you go, 30, 37. Yeah, he's, he's you know, he's not, a, he's not an old buck by any stretch. But, I mean, like, look, if, if Gus is the NRL CEO, I am going to find a car park and go off the top of it. I'm going to be honest with you. Because, like... <laughs> Fuck me, we deserve it, don't we? You know? I, I just don't. There's, really, it, it, it's it would kind of be like when um in the episode of The Simpsons when Bart and Lisa play. Also, oh, Lisa quits the team, but when Bart plays American football and Homer spends the whole time heckling Ned Flanders from the grandstand, he doesn't want to become the coach. And I kind of think mm. that's the spot. That's exactly. That's a great analogy. <laughs> Very good analogy. I like that. Like if he if he becomes the CEO of the game, then he can't death ride the game at every opportunity anymore, which is his favorite pastime. So, but then but then what will he do? I don't know. He's, it's not <laughs> going to happen. It, it it just won't happen. It, it's 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 a it's a it's a sort of silly idea that got some legs on social media. But it's like I, dividing I by zero. Like what happens the when that, of, when that the happens? The chances of Phil Gould becoming the NRL CEO, I think, are almost zero. It's a pay cut for him in the first place. Yeah, true. Very good point. <laughs> like, it's a pay cut from broadcaster, and he likes to sit, as you said. He can take his shots, and he can always be right because he changes his opinion every three days. He just, in self-interest, he shoots his opinion from, but he'll never be the CEO because he thinks he's guaranteed if he was it. He's already guaranteed he'd fix refereeing in 15 minutes, remember that? Oh, God. <laughs> yes. But, uh, he'd never be it, but I did hear he'd saying he's been on the phone to Peter Van Landis every day for the last few weeks or whatever, and that's already showing you that they have the same mindset, that New South Wales Rugby League, old-school mindset. Um, but if it, if it was up to me, if we were talking about ex-football heads or people who've been around the traps, I'd give it. I'd, I'd want Shane Richardson to be the CEO, and it won't happen. But and I know he's made enemies at Clubland, and he has made enemies in the past. But I just want to go back to something, and you might remember this from my early days in the podcast. But do you remember when he was like the head of football or was the head of strategy at NRL, and he released that that whole of game strategy? Vaguely, vaguely, yeah. He, he released it right, and it was widely unpopular. Everyone hated it. He no, got it was punted. Good. Anyway, what is it? There was like seven points in them, and by this time, point in time, they've already implemented four of them. Okay. <laughs> so, so the points were, so the first point is increasing the size of NRL squads to 36 players, with six of those being rookies. Mm-hmm. And you know what the NRL squads are right now? The 30 with development, plus six development players. Um, now those are the same thing. <laughs> and uh, so changing the national youth competition into a state-based under 20, so killing the NYC and making it state-based. Oh, we did that. Mm, good. Um, introducing rookie contracts. So you have those those rookie deals we're talking about. There you go. Uh, extra player welfare by considering additional leave and formal international windows over a period so you can play more international games. That one hasn't happened. Uh, revamping and updating the state league into a platinum league to spread the competition into all areas that play league on a lower level. So there's like, a, you know, a second tier, a, a true second tier. Oof. That one hasn't happened. Oof. Relegation. And the two other... Second tier yeah. has me frothing. And the two other ones I really, the other one I really like, which which hasn't happened, is restructuring the player, the player contracts that you can't play NRL till you're 19, but you also can't be signed with an agent until you're 17. And players cannot be more than three years as when you're when you're a young fella. Interesting, because because like, the AFL has just moved to to nineteen for draftees, if I remember correctly. Mm. So yeah, so they've done all of them. 
every, not all of those. They've done a lot of that, right? And, every, and everyone hated it because it was too much change. It's just quite funny that it got to that point. It's getting now. It's like, oh, actually, those ideas were good. And that's the kind of guy I have faith in. But he, I don't think he's the kind of person they put in this role. He's just kind of had enough enemies in club land. I don't think he suits what the NRL are looking for going forward. He's also pro-expansion. That's what I'd look at. Mm-hmm. I honestly don't know enough about uh, Dave Donahue's tenure at the Storm because it almost feels so easy at that club, if you get me. Yeah. But for like, yeah, it's kind of um, like it's kind of like being the guy at the Golden State Warriors that gave it the big ones at those analytics conferences you went to. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, we're so great because we have Steph Curry, the greatest shooter of all time. That's it, exactly right. I hated that guy, that, and that's it. And, and Blake Solly, as you said, he's done an impressive job at South too. I, I agree, Bungard, and I and I do like the, the two things I do know about those two clubs is they do invest time into the off field. You know, the South have tried to gain yeah. membership, so have Melbourne, and they both try and do different things on game days. And I know we can laugh at ANZ Stadium what we want, but South do try other things. Yeah. I like that. But um, again, how much of that is, you know, Russell Crowe? How much of that is Shane Richardson when he was there? You know, I don't know. But I, I'm not in favour of Paul White. I mean, God, I don't think anyone, I don't think it would be a popular win for anyone who isn't in the media. Dale, how would you feel about Raylene Castle? Uh, can things go worse? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's funny. I kind of wanted to mention this because I know that you you spoke about him potentially going to Rugby Australia. Uh, I didn't make didn't say that yet on air. I said that before we recorded. But I'd said that'd be for him or for them ideal appointment right now. Well, if you ask me, and that was a point that I was going to make is that it reminds me a little bit of big big football clubs buying players so that they can't play for other clubs. <laughs> and that for me, if. If he was to go to, I know that rugby are in a real shit spot at the moment, and God may they stay there forever. But um, if he was to go to Rugby Australia, the NRL would be kicking themselves because, like, he's obviously a relatively smart operator. He may not have everybody there that he would need, but like, man, he is not the kind of person that you want running up against you as a rival code. Um, especially yeah. somewhere that's coming off such a low base as Rugby Australia. Like, no one at Rugby Australia could do any worse than they're doing now. So, you know, that's just my that's take. It, mate. Yeah. Uh, but as I said, look, if you if you look at the past few uh, Bulldogs people to go into leadership in, in, in big big positions, you just, you think it could always have gone worse, can't it? Yeah. You know? Let's just let's just, what do they say? Be happy that you've loved, happy to have loved and lost, and never to have loved at all. It's a bit, it's a bit like that. That is uh, well. It's just um, oh, one thing I also want to touch way back on that expenditure thing. You can't also be in that same camp of people who think the NRL have to look after every player ever, and they all deserve jobs for the boys after their career finishes, and then get mad at them for wasting money on those guys. Just wondering if anybody <laughs> thinks. Tim, just wondering if anybody thinks Tim Simona should have a job. Just uh, just checking. He's an extra Billy player. Should he have a job? No? Head of head of head of merchandising. Head <laughs> of merchandising. He can he can sell uh, sell hot dogs outside Moore Park. You know they may not be real hot dogs. Hey hey hey! No, hang on. Hot doggy hot dog man has that on lock. Thank you very much. <laughs> you stay off that corner. Oh my apologies. But we're certainly in funny times though. It's like almost a guarantee the revenues of the game over the next few years won't be as large as they were with just what's happened. It's a peak where they did, and we're going to somehow sell this as an ultimate win. <laughs> when he's gone because people don't like him. It will be it will be interesting now that like he can say going forward that like he got the biggest broadcast deal in rugby league history. Like he could have that title forever. 
Yeah, I mean, as we know, the broadcast in general is, is heading one direction, mm. you know, and sports does keep broadcasts alive. We all know it's only a matter of time until that's just, you know, the industry is not what it is now. But, uh, yeah, it's just it's just tough, and it's just tough for me to, without knowing the next direction, from some of the things I've heard from people in power and media guys who know people in power the last six months to a year, a lot of it is pre-90s NRL, New South Rugby League talk. A lot of it is anti-expansion. A lot of it's going back on things the game's tried to go directions of you know go back on the centralized stadiums they've been talking about that a lot of it's reversing things they've been trying to do and i'm just not in favor of that like the reason why NRL is growing so much even though people like to bash it all the time the reason why it's growing so much is because it's always been moving forward yeah the, the last few years and and moving forward is expansion and it, and it is getting in more into digital space and it is less broadcast mm. relying on broadcast less and i feel like we're going to try and reverse that now with somehow the broadcasters paying less money we're going to rely on them more yeah, it doesn't doesn't make sense. I mean, when 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 it it all comes down to brass tacks, like it's it's a fairly simple argument, you know. Like somebody has to pay money to want this game. Like, and if nobody's going to be willing to pay the money, then how are we going to have million dollar contracts? Yeah, that's it. And uh, you know, and the, my final credit for Todd is like I, I didn't love the appointment when he got appointed. You know, the Ben Barber stuff that you know that always sat wrong with me. It's crazy yeah, to think there, that like yeah. that's how long ago it was. It was, but in, I thought he, and again, there's no perfect CEO, but he fit that role really well. He was unflappable. He's been through that for six years or so, and he hasn't cracked under the media pressure once. He handled a lot of those tough off-field situations extremely well. Mm. And you have to remember that far back until David Gallup signed that role and how many times he embarrassed the game publicly with I how he prefer, handled things. I prefer not to think about that, but thank you for your comment. Correct, but that's it. Like, like he got baited into many overreactions from the media. He had the whole Brett Stewart incident, you know, yeah. and he went through they went through tough things, Todd did. He had the no-fault stand-down thing, which is never going to win for, you know, either side. No one thinks it's enough or it's not, you know, it's too much, whatever. Yeah. But he made tough calls and he was unflappable the whole time and never cracked under pressure and, it's hard to find someone with that temperament as a leader and the game is going to miss that no matter who they put in next, if you ask me. Yeah. Good call. Good spot to leave it, I think. Yeah, I think so. Uh, that's a nice, nice tight half hour on the old Todd-cast. Um, yeah. <laughs> if you have any, if you, if listeners, if you have any hilarious suggestions on who you think should take over the NRL, please let us know. Yeah. I mean, uh, even, yeah. even if they're not hilarious, please, all, we'll take all opinions. Yeah. Before we before we finish off though, we'll just touch more news. The comp looks like it's going to come back. Obviously, we didn't know that when we if like a month ago, but things change so quick. And like, I'm just hanging out with some goddamn rugby league. Yeah. I don't know about you two. Oh, mate, mate. if mate. if <laughs> if we had this, we had this. I had this, I was having this chat with uh, Campo and um, Coleman the other night, but I want to get your guys' thoughts. Um, if so, there's no basically there's no sport right now, right? Yep. If AFL came back and nothing else, would you watch it? Yes. <laughs> yes, of course I would. I watched the two thousand. I watched the two thousand sixteen European handball gold medal game the other day because I was so bored and had not seen sport. Like I watched. What did I watch the other day? The 19, 1994 second Ashes Test. That's yeah, like, well, please, sport, no, please. But, no. I beg of you. <laughs> I, I um, I asked Campo if he would watch an entire round of an AFL if it okay, meant he got to watch t- one. Okay, no, 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 listen. <laughs> okay. If, if I said, would you watch the enti- an entire round of AFL if every time you watch a whole round, you get to watch one NRL game? And he genuinely Ooh. thought about saying yes. Oh, okay. That's, 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 and for him. Yeah, he still said no. That's a fairly no strong statement though. For he, him to he did the numbers. It? He pointed out that that's about 20 hours of AFL to watch one footy game. Yeah, two, <laughs> two, two. yeah, that's a lot. 
Um, it is funny though, because as, as you say, like in my brain, a, fo- a round of footy is like eight by ninety minutes. So what, like, yeah, you know, four, ten hours roughly, ten twelve. Not hours. only is AFL, not only is AFL absurd, it's also really long. Fantastic. Yes, the worst, the worst <laughs> sport of all. I couldn't do it, lads. I don't think I could. Like I've tried to like AFL in the past. It doesn't do it for me. I think I just rather like take the br- the extended breather from sport. Yeah, I think I th- I'm probably with you. I might flick on if someone was like, "Oh, it's tie game with five minutes left." I'd flick it on. Probably, oh. probably that's about it. But I'd ask why they were playing in Thailand. That'd be the first thing I'd check. Oh, God, it's good to be back. back it's good to be back. <laughs> and one final thing before we go, as always, just sort of thank our Patreon subscribers who pay for the privilege. The those on the Boom Rookies tier. Anyway. Special shout-outs go to our good friend Carlo Tyson, Dan Cullinane, Wayne Ritchie, Ty, Jason, Roxanne Clark, Simo Ali, Manny McPherson, Dave, Scott Finlayson, Chris Abnell, Tom Hardy, and Warwick Ahern. All right, say goodbye, Mitchell. See you later, guys. Say goodbye, Dale. Bye-bye. Ta-ta. And, and it's a goodbye from me. <laughs>